I'm, uh, I'm so glad to be part of Grace Point Church, part of Grace Community Church, the campuses that we've got, uh, to be a part of a, a group of churches that um, care about what Scripture says, what the Bible teaches, what God has revealed to us in the Bible that challenge people to consider what Jesus Christ has said and done and what it means for their lives in order for them to receive salvation and to, uh, to be together as, as Christians, helping each other grow closer to the Lord. Those who come to Christ, help them uh, grow closer to the Lord. A cool thing that's happening uh, down at the main campus in Fremont, there's uh, over 25 people who are going to be baptized today. Uh, which actually is kind of a low number from some of the numbers I've heard. Uh, I think they're doing more, you know, more in, during the year because I know one year uh, at White Star Park they baptized like 98 people. Uh, people have given their lives to Christ and they're making a public profession of that uh, to those um, around them by being baptized. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. Does anybody know where our baptism, if you've been here before, the 14 of you that's Anybody know where our baptism was besides those 14 people? It's right here. It's in the floor. Is that cool? Man. He's like, yes, pastor, that's cool. No, we got a, we got a baptism that's in the floor. So, so <laughs> thank you. So what's going to happen is, Lord willing, as we have people who need to be baptized, we're going to have them come in here. And then they can do like a, you know, water, and then they just run out that way. I was, uh, I don't know if I was actually at the church or saw it on the video, I can't remember, but I saw at some, you know, huge church, I don't know how many they were baptizing, but that's what they literally did, uh, not the jumping in, but they, they would come here and they would walk in, the pastor would say, do you, are you, you know, trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, they say yes, he'd baptize them, they'd walk out, grab a towel on the next person, they'd just think, just kind of flying through, it's pretty cool. Anyways, I'll move on. Um, anyway, that's why I'm excited about this series that we're going to be doing off the chain. Um, normally that's um, Guy Fieri, whatever his name is, from Diners, Drivers, and Dives, anybody familiar with Yeah, okay. So he just says off the chain, like it's a, you know, the food is really good, it's crazy good type of thing. Well, off the chain means a little bit something different here as we uh, go into Galatians. But um, and this morning what I want to do is I want to introduce this letter to us. And, um, but before I do that, I just want to give you a little bit of a challenge if I can. First one is, I'd like to challenge you that over the next six weeks that you would commit to reading through the book of Galatians once, at least once a week for the next six weeks. If you could do it every day, that's even better. Um, just for your own knowledge and understanding of God's Word. Uh, we'll be spending about six weeks in this series, so if you could, it's only six chapters. It'll take you maybe 20, 30 minutes. Um, if you're like me, it'll probably take about 45 minutes to an hour. I, I read slowly. Um, so that's why I'm glad they didn't write the Bible very fast, because I read slow. Um, okay, this is you guys are just really... Or could it be my jokes that are not uh, that good this morning? The second thing is, is uh, you should have received, and if you didn't, there's probably more out at the information center, but I, I put in a little half sheet of paper, a little study tool for you, and that is for, uh, for you, 
so that as you're reading through Galatians to kind of keep you focused and keep you um, concentrating on what you're reading, is you go read through there and you start with the paragraphs and you give yourself a five or six word summary statement for those set of verses. And when you're done with that, you go back and you give the entire chapter a five or six word summary statement. Now, why do we do this? Well, number one, one of our values as a church is that we want people to know what God's Word has to say. You can get some of that from Sunday mornings when I'm up here teaching or if we have Pastor Kevin or somebody from the main campus streamed in. Uh, we, you can learn some, and hopefully you are learning some things. You can learn on Thursday nights when we're doing a Bible study and working through things. But God wants to teach each of us personally through His Holy Spirit what His Word has to say. It's an expectation that He has, a command that He has, that we are in it, that we are reading Scripture and He's teaching us. So this is my way of helping you a little bit um, to have that in your life. And I try to do what I can anyways to um, help you with that. As I've always said, you can uh, lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And so I'm providing the water um, to a certain extent and some tools um, for you guys to, to drink. I'm not calling you horses. I'm just trying to use a... You should probably start out with prayer this morning <laughs> of forgiveness for Pastor Harold. Well, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 1. It's page 1164 if you're using the, the Bible in the pew rack there in front of you. And um, <clears throat> we're going to get to who, what, where, and why of the letter this morning, kind of an introduction, as I said. While you're turning, let me just give you a couple bits of uh, information about it, some facts. This is what the commentators call uh, one of Paul's four foundational letters. Uh, not that he didn't write other letters, he did, of course. But these four, or one of, Galatians, Romans, and First and Second Corinthians, those are kind of his foundational letters, those things that he poured into, uh, into those four letters, everything he's taught that he's taught in other letters as well, but these are kind of the foundational ones. Um, it's his earliest letter, dating anywhere between 48 to 54 A.D., so not too many years into the ministry was he writing this. Uh, it's one of his most personal emotional letters, as he's uh, calling these professing Christians to come back to Christ. They, they've come to Christ. They've been uh, given some false information, some false teaching. Uh, they're starting to slip back into their old religion and old uh, chains, as we're calling it. And so he's challenging them and, and um, calling them back to Christ to be freed. Don't go back to the slavery that they had underneath the laws of Judaism. Uh, and as with this letter, Paul does this in all his letters, he usually starts out with some doctrinal and theological teaching that uh, deals with the issue that's going on or issues that are going on in the church, and then it's kind of the so what. So he starts out first half of the letter with those issues, he finishes out the, the letter with some so what, how do we respond, what's our reaction to the doctrine, to theology. Doctrine and theology are very practical, all right? So when Scripture teaches us something, doctrine, when it tells us about who God is, and that kind of stuff, and, and theology, it's supposed to impact us in a personal, practical way in our lives. So chapters 1 and 2, Paul introduces the issue and defends his ministry. By the way, that's six uh, words, which is a great summary statement. Uh, chapters 3 and 4, 
Paul defends salvation by faith in Christ. That's not six, five or six. And then Paul explains sanctification by faith in Christ. Now, sanctification, it's a $25 word that you can impress your friends and family with uh, that basically talks about how do we become more like Christ, how do we live like Jesus in our everyday lives. And so, again, he deals with some theological, doctrinal issues at the beginning, finishes up with some practical, how do we live that out, uh, what's it look like to live for Christ. Well, read along with me as I read verses 1 through 10 as we kick off this series off the chain. Paul says, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that we, he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So this morning we want to just look at a few basic questions. First one is this, who is Paul? Now some of you probably figured, well, I know exactly who Paul is, and that's great. Some of you may not know. And so for those who are unsure or want to be reminded just a few things about the Apostle Paul, he was originally named Saul. He was a Pharisee, a religious leader in a Jewish religion called Judaism. One of the things that as you read through the New Testament, especially Paul's writings, uh, there's the Jewish religion of Judaism, and um, he doesn't necessarily say it all the time. You may call them Judaizers, uh, but that's the Jewish religion. And the Jewish, Judaism was a religion that man actually developed uh, in the centuries after Nehemiah was written. So in the Old Testament, the last book, even though in our Bible, is what Malachi, um, historically speaking, uh, chronologically speaking, Nehemiah was the last book that was written. So between Nehemiah and the time of Jesus Christ, and even really till today, based off of what God gave to, Jew, to the Jewish nation in the Old Testament, man began to develop it and grow this, this law of Moses into um, their own religion. Kind of thinking, well, we know better than God. We have some other thoughts about this. How can we do it better um, so what the law of Moses was is every, every nation needs to have a law. A nation needs to have people, a nation needs to have land, a nation needs to have law, and a nation needs to have wealth. <clears throat> What's unique about Israel is that God was the one who was overseeing all that, where we have a government put in place and all this kind of stuff. God was supposed to be the one in charge of everything, the theocracy, it was God was the one that they were supposed to listen to. He was going to lead and direct them. Israel, of course, struggled with that. But the idea of the, of the law of Moses that God gave was to give some guidelines and proper governing in living and worship of God. 
Paul calls it a tutor. Um, so this was supposed to be how Israel was supposed to govern, how Israel was supposed to live their lives, and how Israel was supposed to worship God. What it wasn't, what was not the goal of it, was that through that, that they would find favor with God. It wasn't the way God was saying that you find favor with me or make your life right with me. So Israel, again, always struggled with this. And um, so after Nehemiah, man began to, the religious leaders began to look at all that the Old Testament was writing. And then that what they started doing is they started talking to each other about what they thought the Old Testament was talking about. And over the hundreds of years, they kept doing that. They wouldn't go back to the Scriptures. They kept talking to each other about what they thought the Scriptures were teaching rather than going back to the Scriptures and finding out for sure what it was saying. One commentator said, rather than helping people know God, which is what it was supposed to do, it became a fence that kept people away from God, which is completely opposite. And if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see God was constantly putting himself in front of the people, constantly wanting to have interaction with his people. But the Jewish religious leaders began to make it their own and kept people from God. Acts 8, we're told that Paul viciously persecuted the church after religious leaders killed Stephen. Um, he arrested people, he jailed them, he beat them, and he killed them. This is what Saul, Paul, did prior to coming to Christ. And just kind of a thought came through my mind uh, this week as I was thinking through this stuff. It's interesting to me how people who are caught up in religion, religious leaders, how um, angry they get when people move away from their religion. The number of times I've talked to people who are asking questions about who Jesus Christ is and what the Bible has to say about it, the number of times I've had people say to me, man, I really appreciate you being so patient. What do you mean? Well, I mean the fact that you're just sitting here answering my questions. Well, that's kind of what my job is, one, as a pastor, but as a you know, follower of Christ, that's what my job is. Yeah, I know, but I've always asked, you know, I asked my pastor, or I asked my priest, or I asked someone, and they got so mad at me, they got angry. I've actually had some people kick me out of their office because I was asking questions. It just seems kind of funny, and this is what's happening in the first century. These guys didn't like what was going on, and so they went out and persecuted people who wanted to follow Jesus Christ. Why not just leave them alone, you know, type of thing. Well, in Acts 9, the resurrected Jesus Christ meets Paul on his way to Damascus. So he was going to go on and continue to kill and jail Christians, but Jesus Christ meets him. Paul realizes that he's been wrong all along, and he turns from Judaism to Jesus Christ. Jesus tells him that not only are you going to be a messenger of mine like the apostles are, but you're going to be a messenger to the Gentiles. Now, again, Paul was a Pharisee. Jewish people didn't like people who are not Jews, Pharisees really didn't like them because they were unclean people. You didn't want to be around them. You didn't want to touch them. But here's Paul who's given his life to Christ. And all that stuff goes away because God wants a relationship with mankind. And so Paul was going to be his messenger, primary messenger to the Gentiles. He'd no longer be persecuting Christians, but he would now be the one being persecuted by his former friends, former leaders in their religion. We'll talk more about that because Paul goes on, and as you read it this week, you'll see Paul goes on to talk a little bit about his history, about how he got into ministry and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty interesting stuff. 
Uh, but let's look at the churches. Who are the churches in Galatia? Well, Galatia is a, an area in the middle of present-day Turkey. Um, so there's present-day maps. So you got Israel's down here um, in the lower corner. You got Turkey and Greece and Italy, all that kind of stuff. So right there in the, in the center of Turkey, back in the first century, was an area called Galatia. And the churches that he's talking to are, uh, you go to the next one, Dan, are uh, Antioch in Pisidia, or Pisidian Antioch, because there's a, an Antioch down there in Syria as well. So on his first missionary journey, Paul takes off and swoops down and comes up, and he goes into Antioch of Pisidia. He travels down to Lystra, um, over to Derby, over Iconium, and back. So he, he makes this little circle in that area of Galatia. You can look in Acts uh, 13 where he kind of gives us that interest. So again, he goes to Pisidian, Iconium, Lystra, and tops it off in Derby, um, which is kind of funny, because you know what a Derby is? A hat, he tops it off. <clears throat> Thank you. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, so he did that, and then a second, we don't have it up here, but his second missionary journey, he goes back through there, and the third missionary journey, as we understand, he goes back there as well. Depending on how you read Acts and the time date you want to put on this, he either wrote this letter while he was in Corinth, in Ephesus, or Antioch in Syria. Um, the, Jew, the churches were made up primarily of Jews and Gentiles who were worshiping in Judaism. So Jews did that. Some Gentiles, they called proselytes, they came over and started worshiping um, the God of Judaism, which again was supposed to be the God of the Bible, but man kind of changed things up. Uh, and then also some Gentiles who left their pagan religions, uh, the religions of their culture and the family. And again, another thing that I was thinking of, um, when it comes to religion, it, it's really deeply rooted in us, isn't it? I mean, those of you who are raised in what we call mainline denomination, if you're raised Catholic or Lutheran or Methodist or one of the mainline denominations, Presbyterian, type of thing. It's really rooted in you deeply, and uh, we get that. Back then, it was even more so. Their whole system of living was wrapped up in their religion. Um, Islam is a, a religion today that's very much, it's a, it's a whole cultural, societal, government type of religion. Um, and so, when people left the religion for Christ, it was a huge thing. They not only lost fellowship with those that were in the religion and lost the support if they had any from their religious leaders, but oftentimes they've lost the relationship with their families. And some of you here this morning may even know that feeling. Um, following Jesus is not easy, but it's completely worth it. When you remove the chains of religion, when those are taken off of you and you have that relationship with God, you've been made right with God, you know that deep in your soul. And the persecution that may come with that is worth it, and you can use for God's glory. Well, if anyone understood that, that was Paul. He cared more about knowing the truth than he did having that relationship with the religious leaders or his family. Um, and that's why he's writing this personal letter. So he's writing it for two reasons. The first one is he's writing to defend the gospel. Um, Paul had answered the number one question in people's lives, and that is, how do I become right with God? How do I know 
that when I get to the point at the end of my life that when I die, I'm going to get to go to heaven. I'm going to have this relationship with God where I can go to heaven. How do I know that? How can I know that for sure? God has given us the answer. God gave the answer to Israel back in the Old Testament. God told the, he told Abraham, even before Israel, we're going to learn this, he told him that there's, going to be, there's a promise that all of Israel, or Israel is going to bless all of the world. And that that blessing was going to come through Abraham. And we understand that now through Paul's teaching that that was Jesus Christ. And so he's, he's writing to answer the question, how do I get made right with God? Because you have two options in this sense from human standpoint. One, you can go the route of religion. Pick the religion, even Christian religion. Religion says... You need to do certain things to make yourself right with God in order for you to go to heaven one day. But it's based on you. It's based on your good works. It could be religious rituals. It could be some other list of to-dos that you have. But whatever the case is, it's based on what you do. But Paul's saying and telling us that that's not the gospel. That's not what God is teaching through Scripture what he's teaching is that, he's given, that God has given man a promise. And the promise is this. If you put your full weight of trust on the fact that Jesus did the work that needed to be done to make you right with God, you put your full weight of trust in that, you put your faith on that, then God promises to forgive you of your sins, which is the thing that's keeping us from God, and, be, and offers a relationship with him through Christ, through his Holy Spirit. So evidently, many of these people in Galatia, in these churches, believe that. At least they professed to believe it. But now you have people coming in, and Paul talks about the fact that they were um, disturbing them and distorting. Disturbing has this idea, I love this, uh, has this idea of um, taking like a container, let's say you're going to make some iced tea, or that's maybe not good. let's say you're going to make some uh, tang. You remember tang? <laughs> okay, so you put the tang in there, and then you shake the bottle up. You just do this. That's what that word means. So these, these, these um, Judaizers, these people who believe Paul's teaching wrong and that people need to follow the law of Moses, um, they came in and they were shaking people up, disturbing people, and they were distorting the message of the gospel. And so Paul was writing to clarify and to make sure that they got the message right. They, they weren't necessarily rejecting Jesus. This is where the distortion comes in. They weren't necessarily distorting Jesus, uh, the, you know, or... Um, rejecting Jesus, they're kind of just tipping their hat, which a lot of religions do today. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, Jesus is a good guy. Yeah, Jesus did some good things. Yeah, Jesus is a good teacher. He's a holy man, whatever. But it's just kind of a tip the hat to him. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. However, you also need to do this or do that. In this case, you have to follow the laws of Moses, which weren't really the law of Moses. 
we'll be learning it's more of the traditions of man. It was man's interpretation of what the law was. So not only was he, is he used this letter to defend salvation by faith in Christ and Christ alone and what it means to be right before God, but he's also having to defend his ministry. And we can tell from reading the text in the Bible or the, the letter, um, we could tell what some of the maybe accusations they were making by what Paul says about his ministry. So for instance, um, some may have been saying that uh, Paul's a lone wolf, he's starting his own religion, he wants people to follow him. Um, no one else is really believing his teaching around the area. Um, others may have been saying he really believes what he's teaching, uh, but just emphasizing Jesus a little bit more than maybe he should. And then still others, the reason why Paul's having difficulty is that he's being persecuted. I mean, obviously he's not teaching, right? People are persecuting him, um, which is kind of an interesting way of looking at it. Paul starts out his letter by saying that, number one, I wasn't sent by men. I wasn't sent by an agency of men. We'll talk more about this, but um, it was Jesus who called him. It was Jesus who saved him. It was Jesus who taught him, which is pretty cool. Uh, it took him three years to, to meet Peter and James. So he comes to Christ. Three years later, he's meeting Peter and James in Jerusalem. He's only there for 15, uh, 15 days. So it's not like they could have taught him anything. Then it was 14 years. Again, you'll read this as you're reading through Galatians. But it was 14 years after that that he came back to Jerusalem. But here's the cool thing. What they were teaching in Jerusalem, what the apostles were teaching as, it, as the gospel spread around the world at that time, was identical to what Paul was teaching, having never been taught by those apostles. Well, that's a God thing. They agreed 100%. It was just these Judaizers. And again, some of the people were, were in leadership in the church in Jerusalem. You know, how that worked out, I don't know. But if you read in Galatians 2, which we'll be looking at, you know, these guys were in the church even. And I'm sure they looked really good. I'm sure they said the right things, but then they kept on putting a little bit more. Yeah, but you need to. Yeah, but you need to. Kind of like my upbringing, um, I was raised in a non-denominational church, an independent Bible church, just all by itself, sitting in a community. But there's people at the church, and there's people in my family, and not to disparage any of them, but I was raised where if you're really, if you're really a Christian, that's how, you know, really Christians don't do, and then just fill in the blank. So, like, my hair barely touched my ears at one point. I was getting close to concerned about my salvation. But my hair didn't go below my ears because Christians, they don't have long hair. Um, never wore, as a guy, never wore jewelry, uh, no kind of necklace or anything. Wedding rings are okay, but um, jewelry, you know, certainly not in the ears, you know, because Christians don't really do that. And I could go on and on and on about the list of to-dos that we had in my homespun religion. And the sad thing is that caused a wrong thinking about who God was. That caused me to think that God looked at me based on what I do or don't do. 
And I never thought that I could be good enough. I came to know the Lord when I was four years old, okay? So I understood salvation at four years old. But my, in my upbringing, I had to fight through what we'd call legalism, what we'd call religion. And, and it was difficult. And I probably wasn't until my mid-20s where I really wrestled with it to the point where I feel like I, you know, put my foot on religion's throat and ended it in my life. Paul's not just trying to get followers. The religious people are. But Paul's not trying to get followers. He's not motivated by how many people are following him. He's motivated by the fact that he wants to see people have the same relationship that he has with God. His desire is for them to be right with God and know that freedom. And these teachers were willing to insult him and threaten him and threaten the people and tell them that they're not really saved in order to keep them. If you read through Acts, and, he, um, and I think even in Galatians, he talks about the fact that they're jealous. The, the religious leaders were jealous of those who were following Christ or leading this new relationship with Christ because they were losing their people. And that's all that was important to them. So he wanted to free these people from the rules and rituals of religion. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. So this is kind of a, a starting point for us, kind of give our, maybe wet our whistle a little bit to start reading in Galatians and finding out more about this. But just for a couple closing pieces of application. First of all, I don't, I don't know where many of you are at when it comes to um, where you're at with God. If you're wondering, am I right with God or am I not right with God? I don't know what your religious background is. But maybe some of you guys feel chained to that. Maybe you're thinking, I don't really know for sure if I'm right with God. I don't, I don't have that certainty in my heart. Yeah, I was, you know, I, I'm trying to do these list of things, uh, whatever they might be, but I, I don't have that freedom in feeling free. Again, religion is man's attempt to get to God. Relationship is God's way of getting to us. I know that religion is deeply buried in the roots of who we are as individuals. We have family who's raised us. We've had many centuries, you know, generations of our family who have been a part of a certain religion. Um, even, you know, we're part of the Grace Brethren Fellowship of Churches, which is, you know, not a denomination, just a fellowship of churches getting together. But even in its past, it had certain distinctives that became religious in the sense of, you, well, you couldn't really be if you weren't whatever it might be. And we need to be able to be freed from that because for those who are stuck in these chains, it's work, 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 and that simply breeds uncertainty, guilt, fear, and really just unknown. The key is Jesus Christ. And so this morning, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ personally, if you haven't moved away from the religious to-dos and placed yourself on the work that Jesus Christ did, that's your first step. 
to take that step of faith and say, I know what's, what's going to happen in my life if I do this. People are going to think I'm crazy. You're going to think I'm nuts. But I'm telling you, removing that weight, the chains that are holding you back religiously, removing those things, that freedom is like you'd never imagine because you no longer have to work for it. God already loves you. God's already provided the one and only way to him. Only Jesus Christ, who's God in the flesh, could die for man and die an eternal death on our place, in our place. Only he can do it, and he did. I just want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and that's where you're at, it's simply telling God that you understand that you're separated from him because of sin, but yet you're trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, to ask him to forgive you of your sin. That's all it is. And I would encourage you to, to pray that prayer and to make that a certainty in your own life. You don't, you know, it's just you and God. It's just a conversation that you have with God. And if you're a religious person, I'm sure you've had conversations with him. So this is just you making things right and actually having him make things right with you through Christ. But those of you that have been freed and have been made right with God, I just want to challenge you with a couple things. One is, I hope that as you're talking with different people and as you're encouraging people and you're talking to people about Christ, I hope that um, you have people in your life who are religious. And I would encourage you, invite them this, during this series because we're going to be talking about those things. They have fear, Rightly so, because they're not trusting in Christ. And, and we find out from Galatians that the law, whatever the law is, is a tutor to help us understand that we are sinners and that we need a Savior and that God has provided us a Savior in Jesus Christ. So invite them. Take one of the invite cards, take a bunch of them, hand them out, invite people to come over the next several weeks. And then the other thing for you guys is take time, make the commitment at least once a week and read through the book, the letter. Because you're going to get a lot more out of Sundays if you're already keying in on what the next thing is that we're going to be talking about. Read it, reread it. The cool thing about this little, stu- uh, little tool I have for you is that um, it, it forces you to read and then go back. No, 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 that's not good. Read it again. No, no, that's seven words. Read it again, and it keeps forcing you back to the Bible to read it over and over and over again, which is kind of my trick of making you have to meditate (laughs) on the Bible. But you're reading it. You're reading it for understanding. You're reading it for knowledge, just not to get through um, an assignment that maybe the pastor gave you. But let's go ahead and stand. We'll go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and uh, the opportunity to worship you, again, through music, through giving, through fellowship, through your word. And um, we're so thankful for the key that you've given us to unlock these chains, and that's Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that, um, that if there's any here that need their chains removed, that you would um, show them that, that you would help them understand that's what the Holy Spirit's responsibility is, and that they would make that right and get that right with you. And Lord, for us that have been free, that you've we know that we have a relationship with you, that we would be quick to share that with others and invite others, and that we'll be uh, looking forward to seeing people come to Christ and um, 
being able to maybe even use our baptismal one day and, and to be able to help them proclaim their salvation in Christ through baptism. Uh, give us a great rest of the day. Keep us safe. Give us a great rest of the week. Um, help us to um, intersect our lives with those who need Christ. Give us the words to say and things to do in order to love them to you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for being with us. Have a great rest of the day. Stay cool.